The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. Live from our nation's capital. This budget thing is going to do nothing. Space Force, I still think it's interesting. President Trump not playing his cards yet. Headlines, policy, and politics colliding. Bloomberg, sound on. The insiders, the influencers, the insights. I would rather see a congressional solution. It's part of my DNA. The Senate map in 2020 looks a lot different than it looked in 2018. You really have a divide within Team Trump. The president has to do exactly what people sent him here to do, which is to get it done. This is Bloomberg, sound on. With Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. President Trump says he'll be tough on China if, if he's able to get reelected. Speaking of 2020, Joe Biden, Joe Biden's campaign is saying Iowa is no longer a must win and that they are fully prepared to head into a long term battle for the Democratic nomination. It's a marathon, not a sprint. I always say that. Uh, Meanwhile, the latest fallout from Hurricane Dorian. There's an island in the Bahamas, get this, an island of 50,000 people is 70% underwater as Hurricane Dorian continues to storm up uh, into the Atlantic Ocean. We'll give you the latest on that. Plus, the back and forth politics of Hurricane Dorian as Democrats are criticizing Republicans for moving FEMA money to address immigration. We have an all-star panel to cover all fronts of what uh, of the fallout of a three-day holiday weekend as we head into the final days of August recess. Uh, Sari Kim is here. She, of course, is a Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Richard Fowler is back. He's a nationally syndicated radio show host, a Democrat, and a Fox News contributor. And we'll check in with Sarah McGregor, Bloomberg News senior trade editor, and she's going to break down the latest trade front in what is shaping up to be a dizzying, dizzying uh, month for the issue of trade. Wake me up when September ends. Nancy Lyons, get us caught up to speed on what we are, what's going on out there in the world. Well, Kevin, as you mentioned, Hurricane Dorian is has been causing problems, moving away now from Grand Bahama Island and coming closer to the U.S. mainland. Dorian remains a Category 2 storm, moving nearly parallel to Florida's east coast, but offshore. Top winds now about 110 miles an hour. This is the National Hurricane Center's Ken Graham. The storm surge values, we're always watching that. Very dangerous along the Florida coast, all the way up the coastline, could get values four to seven feet of storm surge. Virginia's Governor Ralph Northam has already declared a statewide emergency in anticipation of Dorian's impact on parts of the Commonwealth. A law enforcement official says a gunman who killed seven people in West Texas had obtained his AR-style rifle through a private sale, evading a federal background check. And the AP is reporting the gunman had previously tried to buy a gun but failed that background check. Seven people were killed. Around two dozen others were injured during Saturday's rampage. 
The FBI is refusing to respond to Senators Chuck Grassley and Mark Warner, who both want answers concerning the death of Bijan Gazar, who was fatally shot by two U.S. Park police officers nearly two years ago. After receiving a request for a briefing, the Washington Post reports the FBI responded by saying it cannot discuss ongoing investigations. Neither agency has released any information about the shooting since an initial news release by the Park police the day after the incident. Well, the union for Metro Access drivers in Montgomery County has convinced more than a dozen state lawmakers to take its side in a dispute with a contractor. Bloomberg's Martin DeCaro reports. The Amalgamated Transit Union convinced state delegate Vaughn Stewart and 15 other Democratic lawmakers in Montgomery County to send a letter to Metro. They want the transit agency to review its contract with Challenger Transportation. They claim the Gaithersburg-based company treats its workers poorly and provides shoddy service to people with disabilities. They certainly could try to go back to the negotiation table with Challenger based on it, both its poor performance and now... Uh, with this ongoing labor dispute. Contract talks have dragged on for a year without a deal, and the workers have authorized to strike, but have yet to set a date for one. Martin DeCaro, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 HD2. Metro has not responded to our request for comment, and Delegate Stewart says he too has not received any response from the transit agency. Well, it is time now for the Beltway Business Report. Here is Bloomberg's Larry Kofsky. Nancy, trade and economic concerns drag stocks lower. The Dow Jones Industrial Average slumped 285. The S&P 500 lost 20. Then Nasdaq Composite slid 88. For the first time in three years, U.S. manufacturing slowed in August. The Institute for Supply Management says lower orders, production, and hiring pushed its factory index below 50, the dividing line between growth and decline. The government said construction spending edged a tenth of a percent higher in June, boosted by public projects such as schools, sewers, and the water supply. Spending is down 2% from a year ago. Tyson Foods is down more than 6% after the bell. The top U.S. meat company cut its earnings and sales outlooks for the full year. It blames a string of challenges, including a fire at one of its beef processing plants. For the first time in modern history, global electric car sales fell in July. A San Francisco Bernstein report said sales fell by about 14 percent as declines in China and North America offset gains in Europe. The Bloomberg 99.1 Washington, D.C. area stock index lost 7 tenths of 1 percent. You're up to date on business from the Beltway to Baltimore. I'm Larry Kofsky. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Larry. Global news 24 hours a day on air and at TikTok on Twitter, powered by more than 2,700 journalists and analysts in more than 120 countries. I'm Nancy Lyons. Happy Tuesday, Kevin. Happy Tuesday, Nancy. It's great to be back. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We're following trade. We'll get to that coming up with Sarah McGregor at Bloomberg News. But we're going to lead tonight with Hurricane Dorian. Reading from the Weather Channel, Hurricane Dorian will pummel the Northwest Bahamas for one more day. A hurricane warning and a storm surge warning has been issued for parts of Florida's East Coast. There's also been warnings that have been extended into Georgia and South Carolina. Conditions still likely to worsen along Georgia and the South Carolinian coasts on Wednesday. And yes, folks, Southeast Virginia, a lot of rain expected southeast of Virginia for Thursday and Friday. We're carefully uh, monitoring this storm and, and the policy impacts already already being felt over the weekend. President Trump facing criticism for having first canceled an international trip, but then 
uh, being on the golf course. He says, and the administration says, that they were carefully monitoring that. Uh, the chattering class had a different take on that. Here with me in studio, not to chatter, but to dive into the policy of all of this, particularly as it relates to FEMA, Sari Kim. She is a Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, and Richard Fowler. He's a Democrat. He's also a nationally syndicated radio show host and a Fox News contributor. Uh, thank you both for being here. Sari, I, I want to start with you because there's been this fascinating budget fight, so to speak, in terms of hurricane funding and the issue of immigration. And for folks who maybe aren't following along, Democrats are criticizing Republicans for trying to move money from FEMA, which of course we all know is, is one of the large government agencies that helps to fund emergency relief programs, but to move and reallocate funds from FEMA to better support the facilities in which illegal immigrants are being held. It's been a back and forth, but give us the administration's perspective as to why this move was needed. I would say two things. First and foremost, President Obama set the precedent of taking money from FEMA and putting it over to CBP, the cons uh, and what he did in 2014, according to his then Secretary of Homeland Security, Jay Johnson, he took $405 million and put that over to the wall, essentially the border between Mexico and the United States, because so many people from the Northern Triangle were coming over. And so it is a president that has happened before. But second, irrespective of who is president, whether it's Obama, whether it's Trump, whether it's a Democrat, whether it's a Republican, I think we should all just be incredibly frustrated at the fact that Congress is not doing their job. I don't blame President Obama for repurposing the funds, just like I don't blame President Trump. Why can the United States Congress not do their job and fund things that need to be funded and appropriate things that need to be appropriated? It's incredibly frustrating. Richard Fowler, Democrat, uh, nationally syndicated radio show host, thank you for being here. I want to play for you uh, what Kevin McAleenan said. Kevin McAleenan uh, the acting Homeland Security Secretary. He was on CBS Face the Nation uh, and, and, and responding to the criticism from Democrats, from Speaker Pelosi in particular, about the reallocation of funds. Take a listen to Secret the acting Secretary McAleenan. Here he is. I would say she's badly misinformed about the impact. There will be no impact of the potential reprogramming on our ability to respond to this storm. Uh, the, the Disaster Recovery Fund for major disasters has over $25 billion in it. Uh, we're talking about $155 million uh, in a base level fund. Uh, we believe we have fully adequate funding and no money has actually been moved at this point to begin with. So uh, she's not informed. So are Democrats just playing politics with this? This is not about politics. This is about life and death and, and, and recovery of American citizens. And I hope that this the, the, the acting Homeland Security Secretary is right and this won't have an impact on how the, this government responds to natural disaster. Uh, I, and listen, I also hope this president gets this right, right? Because when we saw what happens when he gets it wrong, when he got it wrong in Puerto Rico, the people of Puerto Rico suffered a great deal and they still continue to suffer. So my hope is that this White House has learned from its three years and many natural disasters on how to get this one right. And I'm praying for all the people in, in Florida, the people in Georgia, but and people in South Carolina. The insinuation that Democrats have made over the past five days or so since Hurricane Dorian first came onto the radar is that the administration is choosing to, to choose to do immigration and to take away funds from essentially life or death situation. But that, that's not the case according to the numbers. 
Listen, like I said, I'm not gonna. I I I I wasn't one that made that comment. It was a dem another Democratic House member that made that comment. And uh, I, I mean, like I said, I all I want here is for the people of Florida, Georgia, North Carolina, and South Carolina to get the resources that they need so they can continue to live thriving lives and live in thriving communities. Hopefully, this administration's learned how to manage a natural disaster. They've had a couple under their belt. They've had a couple of slip ups. Puerto Rico being um, the greatest of them. And so I hope he gets it right. Sorry, but let me come back to you because you you made the point of why can't Congress just address the issue in and of itself. Well, let's take the issue of immigration, for example. Why can't they just bolster funds to address these immigration facilities that have captivated and, and angered Americans, the American people on both sides of the aisle? I think for one simple reason. They work in a world of talking points where they don't think the average American is really smart and can understand a nuanced argument, right? All four of us, all of your listeners, and I would say 98% of the voters can walk and chew gum at the same time. I don't need you to tell me as a United States member of Congress that the wall needs to be funded. And then because, you know, we also need to focus on giving support to the Northern Triangle countries, that we can't do that because the wall has to be funded. You can have a multilateral, multi dimensional conversation. And it's time for the Congress members, Senate and House, to have this conversation to actually pass meaningful reform. I think she's right. I mean, I think part of the problem is the meaning. We're not having a meaningful conversation out of the White House, right? Is you have 11 million folks living in this country in the shadows. On top of that, you have dreamers, people who came to this country at no fault of their own, who are now in our schools, who want to go to college. Some of them are in our military, and this White House has refused to give anything to Democrats to say, "Here, listen, we will give you a pathway to citizenship. We'll have a conversation about how we protect the dreamers in exchange for funding for the border wall." Something All this me. president has been is saying, border wall, border wall, border wall, Some, and I want to do nothing else with immigration, and that's problematic. tells me, Richard Fowler, we're going to be talking a lot more about the wall once lawmakers return from <laughs> congressional recess. Maybe something else our panel can agree on. Coming up, we're going to check in with Sarah McGregor. She's Bloomberg News Senior Trade Editor. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find me on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli. Hopefully you made it back from Rehoboth, you're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Continuous market coverage live from Hong Kong. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. I'm Brian Curtis. Join us for Bloomberg Daybreak Asia. Hong Kong's chief executive, Carrie Lam, stands defiant. How do protesters respond? Global affairs analyst Michael Barsaku joins us. Jason Shanker of Prestige Economics on China. Bloomberg Daybreak Asia, tonight at 6 on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2 Baltimore. The Bloomberg Business App and BloombergRadio.com. Bloomberg, the world is listening. Portfolio analysts powered by Interactive Brokers help sophisticated investors understand the health of their complete financial portfolio. Portfolio Analyst is free and easy-to-use personal finance software that creates a consolidated view of banking, brokerage, and credit card accounts. Compare your consolidated portfolio against more than 200 benchmarks or create customized benchmarks for analyzing performance. Calculate time and money-weighted rates of return and use Portfolio Analyst for forecasting. Learn more and download Portfolio Analyst free at ibkr.com PA. Every day, fully autonomous security robots are operating 24-7, 365, helping humans keep the places you work, study, and visit safe. Join us in helping build a safer America. Learn more at securityrobot.com. That's securityrobot.com. 
As a doctor who provided medical care to remote islands, Dr. Ben Lebrow has seen some things. Piracy, hurricanes, being struck by lightning. While most of us can't relate to confrontations with pirates, we get that life comes with risk, but retirement shouldn't. That's why Dr. Ben purchased an annuity to secure a protected income stream for the rest of his life. Find out more at retireyourrisk.org. Brought to you by the Alliance for Lifetime Income, the sole sponsor of the 2019 Rolling Stones No Filter U.S. Tour. Are you a high-growth, fast-moving company that needs to react quickly to market changes and investment opportunities? Eisner Amper's outsourced finance and accounting practice can help. To see if outsourcing your accounting makes sense, please visit eisneramper.com outsource. GEP, Strategy Software Managed Services. Hundreds of Fortune 500 and Global 2000 companies work with GEP to transform their procurement and supply chain operations because GEP brings it all together. Software the Smart by GEP digital procurement platform is amazing. Strategy tops in the industry. Change management, GEP is consistently ranked among the very best. GEP, helping the world's best companies do better. Bloomberg Business Time in the District 516. Time for drive time traffic every 15 minutes on Bloomberg 99.1. Taryn Galbraith, take us to those delays on 66. Well, Nancy, you have a little bit of good news that 66 westbound over in Manassas accident has been cleared. But we still have pretty heavy congestion after this incident. It's pretty much a parking lot. All stop, very little go for drivers from Fair Oaks, where we have backups after that incident that continue all the way over through to Sudley Road. Those delays right now are on 30 minutes. Also, drivers coming from the Beltway congestion for you there as well from the Beltway on over through to Fairfax Boulevard. It's just going to stream right into one gem into the other there. And also for drivers traveling on I-95, staying in Virginia, a southbound stop and go for you as you're coming from the Beltway on out through through and through to Woodbridge where we're still trying to recover from that accident. It's going to be occupying your shoulder in the express lanes near Dell City and Ripon Landing exit with heavy congestion from US-1. Traffic and weather every 15 minutes on the Beltway area's only 24-hour business station. Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, Taryn. Now the Bloomberg 99.1 three-day weather forecast. Clear to partly cloudy skies tonight. Lows down near 70 degrees. It'll be sunny tomorrow, but we have the chance of maybe a late-day shower or thunderstorm. Our high tomorrow near 90, pretty much like today. Tomorrow night we still could see some evening showers. Lows again near 70. And then for Thursday, some lingering clouds. Not as warm. Our high on Thursday around 80 degrees. Right now, 88 in Washington, 85 in Baltimore. Straight ahead, Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli continues on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Breaking news headlines crossing the Bloomberg terminal now. Boris Johnson... UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson has lost lost a vote on Brexit plan in Parliament. I'm reading now from Tim Ross and Robert Hutton's reporting on the Bloomberg terminal, my colleagues located across the pond. Boris Johnson lost his government's ruling majority ahead of a critical showdown with members of Parliament as the Brexit crisis pushed the UK closer toward a snap election. The Prime Minister is battling political opponents who are determined to wreck his plan to deliver Brexit at all costs by October 31st, with the first par parliamentary vote 
in the clash expected around 10 p.m. Tuesday night. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We'll talk more about Brexit in terms of the trade implications, but joining us on the phone, Sarah McGregor, Bloomberg News Senior Trade Editor. Let's begin, Sarah, with Brexit. How has the Brexit back and forth impacted the trade debate as a whole? Well, you know, I think Brexit was sort of one of the first forays that we, that we started to see along with the, you know, the election of Donald Trump, where this sort of populist movement seemed to take over and people sort of changing the paradigm. I think for the longest time, everyone just thought free trade, we move forward, we integrate, we cooperate more. And, you know, Brexit, along with this Trump effect, sort of turned that on its head. So I think practically, too, in the U.S., you know, they're pretty eager to, to get a trade deal with the U.S., of course, the U.K., and Donald Trump seems um, seems to be into that as well. So that would be an interesting sort of development as well. How does a trade deal from scratch start with the Trump administration? What will that look like? We're used to seeing them rip them up and redo them. <laughs> but what would, it, what would a brand spanking new one look like? Yeah, that on, on USMCA as well. We'll be talking about that when lawmakers return from recess as well. Uh, I was reading on the terminal, stocks fell as trade talks between the U.S. and China struck another stumbling block while treasuries rose and the dollar declined after a gauge of American manufacturing sig- signaled contraction for the first time in three years. You look at the S&P 500, that dropped for the first time in four sessions. And this, of course, is is, is all on, on the Chinese and America back and forth. I mean, what got what what spooked the markets today? Well, you know what I think this is just my hunch is that <laughs> just between people, us, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people including myself, I think the business community, uh maybe even China that asked the Trump administration to delay these tariffs at the 11th hour. I think a lot of people thought maybe, just maybe, Trump might not move forward with these tariffs. He might change his mind at the last minute. You know, I know we were we were sort of up until midnight when those when those tariffs hit to, to see if there was going to be a statement or a tweet from Trump. Of course, they went into effect, and we saw the retaliation. And I think, you know, it's just, it's pretty obvious right now that we're really stuck. And beyond that, the sides can't even agree to their next meeting. Are they going to have it? What's the date? What's on the agenda? And that's and that's really, I mean, this is such a crucial point from Sarah McGregor, the best in the biz, Bloomberg News senior trade editor, calling in from, from our L.A. Bureau, because it, it really illustrates just the heightened jitters, not just on Wall Street, but also in Beijing. I mean, the fact that there's the time difference, they wake up, they check their phone, they check President Trump's Twitter account. It's not just editors. It's not just us reporters. I mean, these are traders all around the world who are lit literally, literally hanging, hanging for any type of newest development, all of which is being driven out of 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. You mentioned the tariffs. There were there was 15 percent tariff increases that went on that went on over the past 24 hours of about 110 billion dollars worth of Chinese imports. We still don't know if the Chinese delegation is going to come into the United States. And then and this is my question before I got to let you go. You've been so generous with your time. Josh Wingrove, our colleague, what he's reporting on the terminal today. President Donald Trump sought to prod China into doing a trade deal before the U.S. presidential election in November 2020 or face even more difficult negotiations during his potential second term. This was the tweet earlier today. Think what happens to China when I win. Deal would get much tougher. 
It's interesting because Trump before has opined a little bit about the elections, and it was more about the fact that he thought China was delaying a deal so that a Democratic administration could potentially get in and then go soft on them. And he, you know, he, he sort of positioned himself as the one to get the job done and to get tough on them. Today, he seems to be saying, you know what, I'm going to get even tougher on China. I'm going to win re-election. If they don't do a deal now, watch out because I'm going to get reelected, and then you're going to have to deal with a really tough Donald Trump. And, you know, I think it's interesting how his narrative on China will develop coming up to the election. One, he'll want to protect the economy, make sure, you know, people still have their jobs, and, and trade isn't a factor in, you know, cutting into that growth, that economic growth. But two, he's going to want to look like he got tough on China, and is that still going to be possible? There, there probably won't be a deal before, before the elections unless things dramatically change. You know, I, I, I just got to say, I know everybody, the, the general thinking, the zeitgeist, as Tom Keene always says, the zeitgeist is that President Xi Jinping is playing, is running a marathon, that he's going to outlast the United States and whatnot. I mean, I, I think that, that that's a miscalculation, or what one could make the case that that's a miscalculation on Beijing's part. Because again, Bernie Sanders, Elizabeth Warren, Donald Trump, all have advocated for the use of tariffs. So even if... If Trump does get reelected and he's in the White House, I mean, China's just going to say, oh, we'll wait till 2024 or whatever. But if he doesn't get reelected, I mean, there are still advocates of using tariffs in both parties now that have dominant microphones and dominant clout. Do they not, Sarah? Absolutely. And if you look at the reaction or almost non-reaction, I would say, from, you know, politicians, from lawmakers, where are they? We just yep. put tariffs, 15 percent tariffs on $110 billion of goods. It's If this had happened in isolation, it would be a miracle that, you know, th- that the markets were just down a little today. Where are the lawmakers on this? They kind of stand behind Donald Trump on this, and I think they're letting it play out to see how far it can go. But, yeah, the Democrats will be backed into a corner as well. And meanwhile, just uh, we, we can't talk about U.S.-China trade policy anymore without talking about Hong Kong. Uh, a report from the Bloomberg Terminal on the Hong Kong situation just published within the last uh, couple of hours. China softened its tone toward Hong Kong's protesters, saying peaceful demonstrations were allowed under the law, even as it ruled out a fundamental demand for direct democracy that has fueled the unrest. So maybe, Sarah McGregor, last question, maybe the Chinese are starting to feel the pressure on those Hong Kong protests. Right. And then we see Donald Trump bringing actually the Hong Kong protests increasingly into the debate about a trade deal. You know, if it sort of saying if, if China does does anything wrong with these Hong Kong protests, if it's not resolved in a way that um, sort of works out and peaceful, democratic, you know, that the the Trump administration would make it very hard to get a trade deal. So you can see the Trump administration just coming from every angle, whether it's the elections or Hong Kong or the economic pressure, trying to make a case for why they think China should make a deal for them based on all sorts of pressure points, and it just doesn't seem like China's budging. So I cannot wait to see if these talks come through in September, and if they do, what are they going to talk about? What possibly could they agree on at this moment that would alleviate any of the tension? Coming at it from every angle. Sarah, if they do talk in Washington, D.C., you got to make sure that you're out here for it. Sarah McGregor, Bloomberg News, senior trade editor. We appreciate her time. Coming up, panel reacts. Sari Kim, Republican strategist, Richard Fowler, 
the Democrat nationally syndicated radio show host. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. You can download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Attention investors, stocks got you sideways, worried about volatility? Then diversify into Class A income-reducing property units for up to 21% cash flow. National Realty's Class A property fund includes only prime income-producing new construction properties. These are built far below market value in Brooklyn, Hoboken, West New York, and Delray Beach, Florida. You're secured on high-demand mid-rises. You're diversified with income from multiple properties. You're prioritized in cash flow with substantial bank-appraised equity and solid real estate backing you. National has a 12-year track record of success with over $800 million of property managed. Now's the time to diversify with up to 21% apartment-backed financial units for your IRA or monthly cash flow. Once you see these Class A locations, you'll wonder what took you so long to call 201-210-2727. Call 201-210-2727. An offer to buy or sell any security is only made by our private placement memorandum. Read it first and invest wisely. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. National is a real estate development firm. See us at NRIA.net. James, great to see you. It's been too long. Hi, Janice. It sure has. Is what I heard true? Your company hired a new head of talent management? Well, not exactly. She's temporary for now, but she's working out great and saving us money. A temporary head of talent management? I didn't even know that was possible. Wait, haven't you heard of Sirius? Should I have? Yes, Sirius Executives. They allow you to hire qualified, vetted executives on a temporary, part-time, or interim basis. Wow, I need to make my operations more efficient. I could really use some help. You should give Sirius a try. Our company had a special project recently, and we hired a temporary COO for just one day a week. This will be perfect for us. How is Sirius spelled? With a C. C-E-R-I-U-S. C-E-R-I-U-S. Got it. Janice, you are a lifesaver. Make the right hire the first time. Cover your company's leadership staffing gap on an interim, temporary, or part-time basis in less than a week. Learn more at SiriusExecutives.com. C-E-R-I-U-S. Executives.com. Why do hedge funds and other alternative managers rely on Pershing? Mark Alderati, a managing director at BNY Mellon's Pershing and head of Prime Services, explains. In today's environment of market volatility, Pershing's Prime Services is well positioned to support the needs of hedge funds and other alternative investment managers. Whether it's customized financing or securities lending solutions, platform access, or business expansion, BNY Mellon's Pershing is a prime broker who's committed to this business and agile enough to meet your evolving demands. Pershing helps to solve the needs of clients by advocating for them, providing unwavering strength, deep supply, and award-winning service that is at the core of everything we do. Find out what sets Pershing's prime brokerage team apart. Learn more about the unique and industry-leading solutions for hedge funds and other alternative managers offered by BNY Mellon's Pershing. Visit our website at pershing.com. Pershing LLC, member FINRA, NYSE, SIPC. Every day, 149,000 CFA charter holders worldwide demonstrate that they measure up to the highest standards of ethics and professional conduct in investment management. CFA Institute. Let's measure up. Get started at letsmeasureup.org. Witham Wealth Management offers investment and wealth advisory services to high net worth individuals and institutions, putting your interests first. Visit withamwealth.com for more information. 
Bloomberg Business Time in the District 530. We check drive time traffic every 15 minutes on Bloomberg 99.1. Taryn Galbraith, give us the latest on the Beltway. Well, Nancy, as you can guess, it's pretty backed up on the Beltway. Got more than 60 minutes for drivers on the Interloop between Old Georgetown Road all the way over through to Ritchie Marlborough Road. Outerloop also a slow go at the bottom of the Beltway in Alexandria between the Eisenhower Avenue Connector and the Wilson Bridge. You'll also be tapping on the brakes on the Outerloop where delays continue between Arena Drive on up through to the Greenbelt. And also, you'll be in slow go volume in McLean on the Outerloop between the Dulles Toll Road Interchange and over through the Little River Turnpike. Those delays are more than 20 minutes. Bloomberg 991 traffic and weather is Sponsored by Valspar. Right now, bring home Valspar paint and stain from Lowe's. Get 15 off a gallon and 45 off a gallon pail. Valid now through September 4th via mail-in rebate. Exclusions apply. See Lowe's.com slash paint. Traffic and weather every 15 minutes on the Beltway Area's only 24-hour business station. Bloomberg 99.1, 105.7 FM, HD2. Thanks so much, Taryn. Now the Bloomberg 99.1 three-day weather forecast. We're going to see a few clouds out there tonight. Lows near 70 degrees. The sunshine, though, will be back tomorrow. We have, though, the chance of a late-day shower. Our high tomorrow near 90. And then tomorrow night, maybe some evening showers. Lows again like tonight near 70. And for Thursday, lingering clouds not as warm. Our high on Thursday close to 80 degrees. Checking our temperatures right now, it is 88 in Washington, 85 in Baltimore. Bloomberg Business Time, 531. Here are the top stories in and around the district and across the globe. Lawmakers in the U.K. have voted to allow Parliament to debate a cross-party bill that would block Britain from leaving the European Union without a deal. The vote is a blow to Conservative Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Parliament is on the brink of wrecking any deal that we might be able to strike. control of the negotiations to the EU, and that would mean more dither, more delay, and more confusion. Johnson is now challenging his opposition to support an early general election next month in order to prevent a delay to Brexit. The Federal Emergency Management Agency says Hurricane Dorian is still expected to bring life-threatening storm surges, even as it was downgraded to a Category 2 hurricane today. FEMA Associate Administrator Carlos Castillo says residents along the East Coast should be prepared to evacuate if necessary and should heed any evacuation orders from local officials. D.C. officials are expanding their investigation into illegal rooming houses in the district. A fire in a crowded illegal rooming house last month killed a 9-year-old boy and a 40-year-old man. And now four employees with D.C. Fire and the D.C. Department of Consumer and Regulatory Affairs are placed on leave. Channel 4 reports police and inspectors executed a search warrant over the weekend at another house on 14th Street Northwest. They found nine separate rental units and multiple code violations. D.C. will reopen 67 closed cases into possible illegal rooming houses. Amy Morris, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Well, a measure of factory activity showed that part of our economy is shrinking for the first time in more than three years. The Institute for Supply Management's August survey was a surprise for Wall Street and not a happy one. So the Dow dropped 285 points. The Nasdaq was down 89. The S&P lost 20. Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli continues. I'm Nancy Lyons. This is Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. We have an all-star political panel to help navigate through the 2020 election. Tyler Pager's out in the field. We're going to get him on the show coming up this week. He'll give us his dispatch, his <laughs> dispatch from the field. That's Sari Kim laughing. She's a Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration. Richard Fowler's here. 
Richard Fowler is nationally syndicated radio show host and a Fox News contributor. He's a Democrat. But Richard, you don't like the you, do you call yourself a Democratic strategist? Uh, I don't like the label Democratic strategist. Why? Uh, I just think it's such a catch-all. I mean, I actually okay. do real. Like, I think a lot of times people use that that when they don't do real work. I've done yeah. real work, so well, just call me Richard Fowler. Good to be, just call me. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Democratic strategist of the but world. It's the same way, but it's the same with Republican strategist. Yes. You guys see this? Yes. I got a lot of buzz it. inside. I, I got a lot of buzz inside of the Beltway today. Former Vice President Joe Biden's campaign is now saying they're now. Did you see this? They're now saying that Iowa caucus isn't a must. Win. We're like, how many months, Richard, and they're adjusting expectations? I don't know. Is this a good sign from from the Biden campaign that they're that they're out in September saying the Iowa caucus isn't a must win? Is is this trouble? Uh, I don't say it's trouble. I wouldn't say it's trouble. Here's the thing. I mean, the field's tightening. Everybody expected this field to tighten no matter what, right? Joe Biden's still at the top of most of the major polls. I think if you talk to voters, if the, the, which their number one issue in both South Carolina, New Hampshire, and Iowa was electability, Joe Biden seems, still seems to fear very well. But we're also in a stage and time in, in, in like, the, the electorate where kids are just going back to school today, just going back to school tomorrow. Now parents and voters are finally honing in on the election. Uh, and the, the name that they know is Joe Biden. So I think for the Biden camp, what, they're, what you're going to see them do over the next couple of days is hopefully they'll start rolling out some policy positions as to why they think their candidacy is very their, their candidacy is the best one to take on Donald Trump. And with the debate coming just a couple of days away from now, this will be the first time that you get to see the top 10 contenders on the same stage. It'll be the first time you get to see number one and number two, Biden versus Elizabeth Warren. I mean, I think it's quite senile of Biden to diminish the Iowa caucuses while he still has six more months to go, if for no other reason than the fact that there is a critical senatorial re-election campaign for Joni Erst, and the Democrats need to only take back three seats to essentially secede control away from my favorite majority leader, Mitch McConnell. So if the Democratic standard bearer or wannabe standard bearer diminishes Iowa, and then he goes to New Hampshire, which also has a critical Senate re-election campaign and diminishes that for being senile as well. On the other side of the aisle, you have a very strategic president who eviscerates people for anything. <laughs> so, I just, you know, I just I'm laughing think because that the, you called Donald Trump strategic. Um, but <laughs> he, I mean, he strategic. was strategic enough to get to. I mean, he got to <laughs> but the I'll give you that. But I think to look at, I think you're looking at the Senate map the wrong way. I think if, how I look at the Senate map is this way: you have t- now we have two seats open in Georgia. Where Stacey Abrams, the right. former gubernatorial candidate, only lost that seat by fifty-five thousand she votes. She's not running. She's not outside. running, but it doesn't mean that those seats aren't vulnerable. We also now have John Hickenlooper, who will likely former governor of Colorado, who will most likely enter the race in Colorado, which puts that seat very much in Democratic hands, as well as the the, the Arizona seat between. Um, so you see four seats up for grabs uh, on the Senate. Wait, yeah, okay, I mean, wait, Mark. Wait. I mean, let me, let me Gabby Giffords' husband is doing a very is good job. So with Richard, this. the Democrat, sees. Four, about four seats that are up for grabs that could lean Democratic. And how many do the Republicans see? This is important. I mean, I see potentially three. Okay. Which three? Well, so I definitely would say Hickenlooper is not an issue because he still has to go through 15 so Democrats in the front. Okay. Yeah. So Colorado. I would say Georgia is very interesting. I would say New Hampshire is obviously very interesting. Yeah. And I also think Arizona, because it is Mark Kelly and his wife, Gabby was Giffords. seriously injured. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I think to look at this race without also talking about the issues of guns is is also, I mean, you have to think about how guns play into this, right? And if, you talk, if you're talking to suburban mothers, an air, a group that... 
Republicans lost in 2018. And even if you're talking to NEA, NRA members, for that matter, and I had a conversation with Frank Luntz about this, who had done some focus groups around NRA members, and most NRA members believe in background checks. They believe in assault weapons ban, and yet still this Congress has done nothing. All right, we're getting. I wanted to do a 2020 segment, but as Tom Keen says, we've ripped up the script. We're going to go with it. Sorry, it's a free Tom flowing. Keen. And, and as our EP, Christine Morata says, Kev, it's part of the charm of the show. It's free flowing. Kind of feels a little unfocused, but we're going to get it back on track. You want to respond about the NRA? Well, Sorry. the only thing I would say is Vice President Biden formed a working group after one of the most horrific gun violence incidents in Connecticut, where we had almost 30 school aged children killed. Not school aged, like little kids like five-year-old kids yeah and so i just think that on both sides of the aisle they are unwilling to do anything and to (laughs) say that gun control is a major issue in 2020 diminishes the fact that the number one issue in every election is always the economy so i'm glad you brought up the joe biden's working group and if you talk to the vice president or any member of congress who was on that working group they will tell you who derailed it and it's one name it's your favorite majority like you said a couple minutes ago mitch mcconnell I seriously doubt that Uncle Mitch, as I like to call him, is the only reason why it didn't happen. Right. If the vote went on, if the bill was right, on the I floor, just wanna, it would have I just want to read a disclaimer. Michael Bloomberg, he's the owner of Bloomberg LP, the parent company of Bloomberg News, founded and helps fund Every Town for Gun Safety, a nonprofit that advocates for universal background checks and other gun violence prevention measures. Coming up, we're going to talk more with the panel about 2020, and in particular, if Joe Biden doesn't win the Iowa caucus. And Joe Biden doesn't win the New Hampshire primary. Does Joe Biden have to win South Carolina? Panel stays, Sari Kim, Richard Fowler. You can download the Bloomberg Sound on podcasts on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg Business app. You can also find us on Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television, Bloomberg Radio. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. Is your brand growing? Products and services selling? Is your advertising making an impression? Sparking sales? Educating customers? Many brands today are undermarketed, not because budgets are too small, but because advertising is poorly planned. Your agency must identify a clear objective, create a solid strategy, and target the right audience. It must research the competition, leverage your unique selling proposition, Craft a comprehensive, measurable multi-platform media plan and populate it with smart creative. Bluetooth Creative Group, a leading metro area advertising and marketing solutions provider, is an expert at producing strategic, effective advertising. From broadcast, print and collateral, to digital, social, retail and sales promotions. So your brand promise can generate sales. Bluetooth Creative Group. Learn more at bluetoothcreative.com. Robert Cohen holds three degrees from New Jersey Institute of Technology. Today, he leads research and development for medical device maker Stryker Corporation. He also helps Stryker recruit top talent from universities like NJIT. If you look at where NJIT students are going, go to a career fair. There are lines of companies that want to get into the career fair, and it's because they see those students as practical, innovative. I can tell you for a fact, because we hire many NJIT graduates, These students can contribute right from the get-go. The guy who reports to me who's in charge of all my implant development, NJIT grad. The guy who reports to me in charge of all my robotics development, NJIT grad. 
They contribute to the development cycle. They contribute to the testing. We have NJIT graduates in manufacturing. We have NJIT graduates in quality assurance. We have NJIT graduates in our computer science. These students are some of our best. NJIT, New Jersey Institute of Technology. Learn more at storiesofinnovation.njit.edu. Your NBC Sports Radio update starts now. Ezekiel Elliott and the Dallas Cowboys close to a new deal, according to Pro Football Talk and NBC Sports Radio's own Mike Florio. It could get done as early as sometime today. Six years, $90 million are the numbers being thrown around. Meanwhile, Cowboys do lock up offensive tackle. Lael Collins, a five-year, $50 million extension. $35 million of that is guaranteed. The most guaranteed money in history given to a right tackle. Major League Baseball, just one afternoon matchup. Front end of a double header, bottom of the eighth, Orioles a 3-2 lead at the Tampa Bay Race. Three big matchups on the docket tonight. Nationals hosting the Mets. How about this pitching duo? Jacob deGrom versus Max Scherzer. Washington the favorite, minus 135. Twins at the Red Sox. Boston the favorite, minus 137. Meanwhile, the Brewers are hosting the Astros. Houston, minus 150. College football, AP Top 25, Week 2 rankings. Clemson 1, Alabama 2, Georgia is 3. I'm Dan Schwartzman. This is NBC Sports Radio. Welcome back to No Brainer. Gary. I'll take cars and trucks. What's the best way to protect your engine from gum, varnish, and corrosion? Staybill 360. Gasoline with ethanol can go bad in as little as blank. 30 days. Using Staybill 360 ethanol treatment year-round is what? Is it a no-brainer? It is. You win peace of mind, Gary. Awesome. Can I have money? <laughs> Staybill 360. It's a no-brainer. Available where few additives are sold. Napa know-how. Now at Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers, get a $20 prepaid Visa gift card when you buy oil, air, and cabin air filters. Because let's be honest, you probably don't remember the last time you changed them. So buy all three filters at your local Napa and get 20 bucks back. Do it yourself or have it done for you. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. At participating Napa Auto Parts stores and Napa Auto Care centers. Limit two prepaid cards per household while supplies last. Offer ends 1031. Bloomberg Business Time in the District 544. Time for drive time traffic every 15 minutes on Bloomberg 99.1. Taryn Galbraith, what's the latest on the Beltway? Well, Nancy, we have a very bad accident on the Beltway. All the southbound lanes are closed in Maryville for drivers driving on the outer loop between Lee Highway approaching Gallows Road. You'll be all stopped. Very little go with heavy congestion from the Dallas Toward interconnection. It's pretty much a parking lot over that stretch. You want to avoid it if at all possible. Outer loop also slow go in Alexandria between Eisenhower Avenue connector and the Wilson Bridge. You'll also be tapping on the brakes for outer loop. Delays continue between Arena Drive on up there to the Greenbelt. Top of the Beltway also off and on congestion for you on the outer loop in the Silver Spring area between Georgia Avenue over through to 270. And the inner loop, not much better news for you. Still more than 60 minutes of brake lights for you with off and on congestion congestion between Old Georgetown Road over through to Ritchie Marlboro Road. Traffic and weather every 15 minutes on the Bellway Area's only 24-hour business station, Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. Thanks, Nancy. Thank you, Taryn. Now the Bloomberg 99.1 three-day weather forecast. Clear to partly cloudy skies tonight, lows near 70. Tomorrow, sunny, but maybe a late afternoon shower. Our high tomorrow near 90. Tomorrow night, some lingering evening showers, a low again near 70. And then for Thursday, lingering clouds, not as warm. We could see a high around 80 degrees. It is 88 right now in Washington, 84 in Baltimore. Straight ahead, Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli continues right here on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD 2. 
This is Bloomberg Sound On with Kevin Cirilli on Bloomberg 99.1 and 105.7 FM HD2. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent for Bloomberg Television and Bloomberg Radio. I am joined by Sari Kim, Republican strategist, former senior advisor in the Trump administration, Richard Fowler, nationally syndicated radio show host and a Fox News contributor. I just want to put a period on the conversation that we were having earlier about 2020. And, and just to keep it narrow focus, Sari, if Joe Biden's campaign, which they said today that Iowa, the Iowa caucus is not a must win, and Jennifer Epstein on the Bloomberg Terminal has excellent reporting on this. But they said they don't have to win Iowa. All right. That must mean that the polls suggest they could lose Iowa. And that puts a lot of pressure on them in New Hampshire, where someone like Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders arguably would be perceived as doing potentially better. Bernie, I think, won by a huge, huge margin in, against Hillary Clinton. That puts pressure on him in South Carolina. Play that out for me, though, Sari. How does history, how does history uh, illustrate why that could be problematic? I mean, that's a really apt analysis because if you don't have any of the three early states as your firewall and you lose two of them where all the momentum and all the chatter is now against you and you are no longer invincible. Kevin, you made a great point that Donald Trump, he came in second in Iowa. He won New Hampshire and he blew everybody away in South Carolina. Joe Biden if he doesn't win South Carolina, he not only doesn't have electability, he doesn't have invincibility, and then he's still senile. I think it's way too, it's, <laughs> it's well, I'm not gonna address the senile comment, but I think it's way too early to look at to look at this field in that way, right? I think this is, like I said, next week will be the first debate, like I said last segment, where you get to see all these contenders I'll on be stage. There in Houston, and I'm so excited to yeah. have Texas barbecue. I can't even tell you. <laughs> Best I'm more excited the for the ever. I'm more excited for the debate than the barbecue, but I'll take some barbecue. I'm excited for both, and I don't touché, think that touché. that is. I can I can be watching the debate while I eat barbecue. But I Richard think this, Fowler, let me give you his email for all food <laughs> complaints. Uh, but no, I think this debate will be the first time where you get to see all like of these top tier the contenders. Grandpa really have a conversation about the issues. Now, I think Joe Biden has a responsibility and obligation to perform at his best and show people why he's the front runner. But I think you also have an opportunity for Elizabeth Warren to delineate herself from Bernie Sanders and shows why she's number two or a possible front runner. It's going to be really interesting to see how Senator Warren contrasts herself or her strategy in the third debate. But we'll talk about that. We have plenty of time to talk Texas barbecue. And we, there's always never enough time to talk Texas barbecue, but also about the debate. All right. What has become one of my favorite, favorite segments on the show? What's on your radar? And this is where we talk about things on the panel that is maybe not dominating the news or not getting as much attention as people would have hoped, but we can talk about it. Richard, I'm going to start with you. What is on your radar? I think the United States Senate and the yes. who gets control of it in 2020 is on my radar. And there's two states that I'm really watching carefully. Obviously, I'm watching Georgia, which we talked about last segment, which has now two. Who's going to run for the Democrats? I mean, we'll have to wait to see. But I think the other seat that's even more interesting is the seat in Maine. So a couple weeks ago, um, the, the the sitting senator, the senior senator from Maine, um, Susan Collins, released an op-ed, a very lengthy op-ed, talking about why she would not be voting for President Donald Trump and all things that are wrong with the Trump administration. I don't think it got as much air as it should appear in Washington, but it sort of speaks to this rift that's taking place in the Republican Party where moderate and I would even say center Republicans are saying, 
being with Donald, like sort of allying ourselves with Donald Trump as we get into this election is going to be problematic. So I think we'll be watching on election night. You'll see one senator, Joan C. Yarns, who's been who separated herself from the president, but has not been as strong a separation from the president as we saw Susan Collins make. Will she win in Iowa or will she lose in Iowa for being too close to the president? Susan and Collins, Collins, Senator Susan Collins was, of course, the, the, the deciding vote on the Brett Kavanaugh confirmation to get him to the Supreme Court. The Cook Political Report, I'm reading from the Hill newspaper, the Cook Political Report moved Susan Collins' Senate race to a toss-up. That was a couple of weeks ago. Just as a Republican strategist operative, Sari Kim, how do you uh, measure what's the what's the temperature of, of the, the New Hampshire, or I'm sorry, uh, Maine Senate race with Susan Collins? Three quick things. One, Susan uh, Collins has always had tough re-election bids, so being in a toss-up with the Speaker of the Maine House is not that big of a deal. Two, she gave us Kavanaugh, and I think that's part of the reason why I would allow her to advance you like the red so how do you yeah. ex- So how do you explain Let's her, de- like her departure Kavanaugh. from three. the president? Let's stay on topic. Three, go and ahead. So Three, I would say it's important to have somebody on your team that is with you 90% of the time and 10% of the time you can go the other way. And I look to no one other than Speaker Nancy Pelosi. She has a wild open caucus, wild and wide, and she you are allowed to have people within your party. And so if, if uh, Senator Collins needs some help, I'm happy to do it. But instead of nerding out, can I talk about my cool fact you of the day? You want to do what's on your radar. Can I? But, but, just, to, but yes. just, just to put an end point on, on the issue yes. of, of the Senate math most the general thinking because this is we have we don't spend we have sure. plenty of time but most people think that republicans are in a very strong position to to regain control of the senate in 2020 mm. richard you're saying that the margin could be slimmer this is the point you're making the margin could yeah. be slimmer but you still would, would say oh, i think republicans- it's listen i think it's an uphill battle for democrats but i think what you what you have here is you have a very good chance for democrats to take control you have arizona the arizona special election right. colorado maine two seats in georgia a north carolina seat bottom line it looks like we're going to have divided government no matter what no matter who takes over for office so if you're outside of washington trying to think that there could be any type of clear waters ahead there's not going to be it's divided government for at least the next four years at least that's the general thinking sari kim what's on your radar i know you told me and it's interesting go i'm so excited because we only talk about like nerdy things that we all love like trade and tariffs yes but uh the transportation security administration we all fly travel a lot richard just came back from new orleans you just came back from delco on the train yes i had to mention delco for you how long did you go without talking about delco I think it's been one show. What? I brought it up for you. And the Eagles, guess who the Eagles, okay, I'm going to get in trouble. Okay. The Eagles are going to defeat the Washington Redskins Please, let's not talk about the NFC East. I am from Dallas, Texas. Let's go back to my news of the day. Let's go back to my news of the day. So the Transportation Security Administration put out their regulations on what you can and cannot bring on your flight. And um, earlier this week, American Airlines allowed a miniature pony to come on the airplane because it was a service animal so for all you for all you mom and dads and all you little kids if you see a pony on your american airlines flight it's because secretary elaine chow said it was okay okay so i'm reading people magazine right now because you told me about this and i literally am watching a miniature horse it <laughs> legitimately is like the side of a, of a it's German like 35 shepherd. pounds yeah it's a miniature horse but it yes. clearly looks like a horse it has a little saddle thing on it at the ticketing gate of american airlines <laughs> and to sari so kim's cute. very own reporting i mean it points to a broader issue there are a lot of veterans who use service animals mm. to travel with them 
and I, I've only seen dogs. Yes, I just saw one today at Dog Tag Bakery. I was at Dog Tag Bakery in Georgetown, which is an incredible place. place that does incredible work for veterans and folks, uh, or service members who have come back. And I just saw a service dog. But I didn't know a, a horse, a miniature horse, could be a service animal. Bulls disclosure, I am grossly allergic to horses. So oh, I Are you be, serious? So what I think that's an interesting point though. Mm. Um, all right, you know what's on my radar? Uh, Joe nope. Manchin. I'm talking about the Senate. Joe Manchin's <laughs> gonna not run for governor. Democrat Joe Manchin of West Virginia said Tuesday he'll remain in the US Senate rather than run for governor, saving his party from having to defend a seat next year in a heavily, heavily Republican state. But Richard, and I I don't mean this to throw any shade on Senator Manchin, but Joe Manchin is is his own type of Democrat. No, he is. Joe Manchin is literally a Joe Manchin Democrat. Yeah. Uh, and what makes Joe Manchin a Joe Manchin Democrat, and I've, got, I've worked in West Virginia for a, a number of— That's a great state. Uh, and what you notice about Joe Manchin, anytime you walk through the Capitol, no matter what the issue is, Joe Manchin, whether he's a senator or he's a governor, he's walking around the Capitol— Every voter in West Virginia knows him. He's willing to have a conversation with any constituent. I don't want to say, never mind. I almost said, go ahead. Uh, And he's one of those individuals where he's open to having real conversation with his voters, which is why over and over and over and over again, the people of West Virginia elect him. Um, Bless his heart. Senator Joe Manchin is an opportunist through and through. And I love the fact that, you know, when he was trying to win re-election two years ago, he voted with the Republican Party more than he voted with the Democratic Party. And he himself said on the record, voting to confirm Brett Kavanaugh to the Supreme Court saved his seat. Well, I, let me push back on that a little bit, because I think if you were to talk to Joe Manchin or any West Virginia voter, he would they wouldn't say he voted for the Republican Party or with the Republican Party. He voted for the interest of West Virginia voters. And there's a I think, there. I mean, I actually think that that's an interesting point that Richard makes. I mean, he is very West Virginia. He is a mountaineer through and through. And and on the issue of energy policy, I think his vote and his voice in the Democratic Party is incredibly interesting because, you know, whether you're from, I mean, not to give Delco another shout out, but if, whether you're from towns that are heavily impacted by refineries or in coal mines, it's a really interesting time to be, to come from that part, from those parts of the country when there's an open debate about whether or not those jobs should even exist. And I think that his voice in the Democratic Party is 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 an important one. And also, I don't want to say this, but I mean, we have like 30 seconds left, Sari, so quickly. Is it kind of part of a dying breed of politician where you can transcend the political party and represent your state? I think politicians can always represent their people as well as their own interest, as well as the country as a whole. And we just need to find more of them. Yeah. All right, we're going to have to leave it there. Well said, well said. Sari Kim, Republican strategist, thanks so much for coming on. And, of course, to Richard Fowler, nationally syndicated radio show host and Fox News contributor, a Democrat. Great panel today. Great discussion. Download the Bloomberg Sound On podcast on Apple iTunes at Bloomberg.com or by downloading the Bloomberg business app. You can also find us on Bloomberg.com, Radio.com, iHeartRadio, and Spotify. I'm Kevin Cirilli, Chief Washington Correspondent. Tomorrow, Steve Forbes calls in. You don't want to miss that. You're listening to Bloomberg 99.1. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor Q&B. Join heads of state, 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at CutterEconomicForum.com.